Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Papers. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. It's me. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. A huge thank you to our new patrons. Uh, Looking forward to playing with different types of content uh, coming up for the Roberts and Annabelles. Can't believe it. Uh, Thank you so much for signing up. Um, Already looking forward to watching and reviewing the next This Looks Awesome movie, the 2018 Nicolas Cage horror thriller Mandy. Never seen it. Yep. Never, never seen it. I've ne- I never, never saw it. it. <laughs> and Annabelle's, your shout outs will come at the end of the show today. Uh, also want to address a name mistake I made last week that no one cares but me. I know. It's a little bit unfortunate. But I just care because um, I thought it was a great horror tale. And I called Matt, Rodney, and Rodney Matt at two points at the end. Their names were flipped around in the source. Just a little mistake. And I didn't correct it, and I should have. So I'm, I've redoubled my eff- efforts. I have checked these stories like four times okay, um, to make sure going forward that I don't do that again. Well, I mean, Dan, just so you know, mm-hmm. no one complained about it. But I personally love that you're such a perfectionist. And that is one thing that makes our show so great. And all the things that we do here is that you will settle for nothing less than perfection. I think so. I try. I, I know. try. I know. And we're not always perfect, but I, I do value that in you. And new stuff in the store at badmagicmerch.com. So check that out, Creeps and Peepers. Yeek. Always new stuff. Every always. week we have such a, a a wide variety of things. A robust very, very proud store. Of it. A robust store. Yes. And, um, and I'm excited for today's tales. I feel a little uh, creeped out today. I've, I've I know. Had you're all like, what's going twitchy. on over there? I, I've been watching more horror recently. I have been uh, reading more stories, preparing more things, kind of going forward for future stories. Okay. Just kind of immersed a little more. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, like I was fine for months. Yeah. And then lately, uh, like when I get up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night, just do not have a good feeling about anything around me. Okay, well. I just felt off. The more open that you are to it, the more likely that something is to penetrate. Well, I got to shut it down then. Yeah, unless you want to be penetrated by spirits. <laughs> I do not want to be penetrated. penetrated, just really quick. Do you know, you guys, I, I should have had it right here. Dan finally got a crystal dildo in the mail. <laughs> yeah, not one that I ordered. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, someone a said gift, it. A gift. A unsolicited gift. A gift. gift. <laughs> I uh, it, well, it wasn't a situation of like finally this thing I've wanted for so long, but or, it is it is pretty ridiculous. It's pretty it's funny. It's so heavy. It's heavy. I don't know how that could feel good. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so I hear you have three stories. I do. I do. I'm so excited. We're all over the place. Uh, Germany, Oregon, and Colorado. Okay. Very cool. I have uh, two. For the first, we return to Japan for the first time in a long time mm-hmm. to uh, uh, talk about another urban legend. I think our first Japanese one since the eight-foot-tall woman months ago. Ooh, just, uh, just the po, thought of that. Po, stop. Please stop. Po. That was I, a good one. No one cared for that. Today, today I share the legend of uh, Kushi Sakiona, Japan's slit-mouthed woman. Uh, also, last week I told you that Southern Idaho has a lot of accounts of paranormal, paranormal horror. Yes. Uh, tell another one of those today. This okay. one comes from Idaho Falls. 
Oh, no. About 45 minutes north of Pocatello. We know people there. We know people there. Family there. A young woman staying with her future in-laws is terrorized by something that seems to be related to her future father-in-law bringing pieces of his dad's disturbed gravesite home with him. Okie dokie. And if that seems confusing, it will all make sense once I tell the story. That's good because it did. Okay. Okay. Can are, I talk are, about my socks? You can talk about your socks as uh, as we head to Japan. Okay. So on our flight to Japan, I'm wearing this very <laughs> fun Halloween dress, which I didn't mean for it to be a Halloween dress, but anyways, I look at it. these Halloween socks. Halloweeny, <laughs> and they match like I'm a whole thing. It's very coordinated, adorable. Shanks. Okay. Are you ready to head to Japan? I am. Okay. Uh, I really want to travel there actually someday. Uh, for now, I'm going to have to settle for these stories. Um, no setup on this one. We're just going to oh. dive right in. Okay, let's do it, Dan. Time now for the tale of Kuche Sakiona, Japan's slit-mouthed woman. This legend began according to folklorists sometime between the 17th and 19th centuries. There are several different stories regarding how this creature came to be. According to one legend, the Kuche Sakiona was once several centuries ago the beautiful wife of a samurai over time she became obsessed with her good looks became incredibly vain and then she had an affair with another man from her village her samurai husband suspecting her of cheating found out about the affair and flew into a jealous rage and he ended up taking his sword to her face Ooh. he sliced open her cheeks from the corners of her mouth to her ears and then he asked her who will think you're beautiful now. The samurai then turned his back on his once attractive wife, banished her from his home. Her lover, upon seeing her disfigured face, no longer desired her, and afraid of vengeance at the hand of the samurai he dishonored, fled the village, leaving her entirely alone. Due to what they considered her shameful circumstances, afraid to anger the samurai who'd cut her, no one in her village would help her. Children were frightened by her appearance. They screamed and ran from her. Men who once lusted after her now stared in horror and disgust, quickly turning away if they happened to meet her skittish gaze. She also had to deal with more than psychological pain of banishment. She had to deal with the physical pain her, uh, from her wounds. It was immense. Her mangled face ached constantly. The wounds never properly healed. They became infected. They openly bled, left her disoriented with fever. Gross. The pain, so many different kinds of pain, drove her mad. And soon, she took her own life to escape it. Then, in death, her torment continued, and she began to share it with the living. The once beautiful wife of the samurai now returned as the Kuche Sakiona, a vengeful wraith that's haunted some of the roads and paths of Japan for hundreds of years, a spirit still mad with pain. Shortly after she died, the slit-mouthed woman would appear wearing a kimono. She'd hide her face with the large end of the sleeve, blend in amongst the villagers still on this side of the grave until she found a victim to begin playing her dangerous game with. In more recent times, she, uh, to continue to blend in, she often appears wearing a brown trench coat and she uses a surgeon's mask to cover her mouth until she's ready to play. For many years, reported sightings of the slit-mouthed woman dwindled to the point that her legend was thought to be just that. A legend, nothing more. Not a story of an entity that people actually encountered. Then in 1979, for reasons unknown, she seemed to have returned. That year, children all around Japan found themselves full of fear, afraid they'd encounter the slip-mouthed woman and suffer a heinous fate similar to or even worse than hers. 
Every night, children across the country would hurry home from their schools, eyes looking down towards the ground, afraid to meet the gaze of the woman with the long black hair hanging down to her waist, the woman wearing the surgical mask, the mad woman who wanted to do horrible things to them. Adding to the children's fears was the fact that they were seeing women with long black hair wearing surgical masks everywhere. Most women in Japan did and do have black hair, and surgical masks have been commonly worn in Japan during the cold and flu seasons to help protect people from germs for many, many years. Typically, no one would think twice about seeing a dark-haired woman wearing a mask, but now, that mask could signal something far more sinister than someone worried about spreading or catching the, the flu or cold. It could mean the woman behind the mask was no woman at all, but instead an angry ghost, the Kute Sakiona. As stories of encounters with this entity piled up in 1979, many who'd previously walked to and from school alone now traveled in groups. Some even convinced their teachers to walk with them home from their classes. According to one source, kids in some neighborhoods became so afraid the police even got involved, assuring the public that they would keep an eye out for any woman in a surgical mask who seemed threatening or dangerous. Some officers began to wonder if the stories were real. Others wondered if a violent and dangerous assailant really was on the loose, a real flesh-and-blood woman. The school children were not worried about the living. They couldn't be convinced that the murderous ghost was only a product of their imaginations. They believed in the legend of the slip-mouthed woman. They believed that if you walked too near the Kuche Sakiona and she decided to step out of the shadows suddenly appearing right in front of you, she would begin her deadly game. They were convinced she'd ask them, Do you think I'm beautiful? Oh. An odd and unexpected question. A question that could seem totally innocent, but answer it incorrectly and you die. Answer no, and she'll take out either a knife or a sharp pair of scissors. She'll run her weapon right through you, cutting you down and killing you on the spot. Answer yes, and she'll rip off her surgical mask to reveal her disfigured face, a face with a mouth still incapable of smiling, slit from ear to ear, still caked in blood. Now, moving the gore that comprises so much of her face, she'll ask another question. How about now? At this point, anyone in their right mind would be tempted, would feel compelled to run away. But to try and escape would be pointless. Once the game has begun, you must play it to the end. No matter how fast you run, Kuti Sakiona will just keep appearing directly in front of you. She'll ask her question again and again and again. And each time you refuse to answer, it might be your last. How about now? Do you still think she's beautiful? Answer no, and you'll be cut in half. Answer yes, and you'll still feel her blade. She'll cut your mouth open from ear to ear. She'll remake you in her own twisted image. According to some tellings, you do have a small chance of avoiding either death or disfigurement. You can try and confuse the Kuche Sakiona by answering normal when she asks if she still looks beautiful. The idea here is that by neither complimenting her nor insulting her, she will neither want to kill you or carve you into her image. And thus frozen, you can slowly walk away with both your life and your face intact. For centuries, tales of those who claimed to have faced the slipmouthed woman remain localized, passed around only in the villages where she was rumored to have appeared. Now, thanks to the internet, many of these alleged encounters have been posted, for better or for worse, for us all to hear and share them. This first story is an old one. Once, many years ago, a boy named Tadashi claimed to encounter the Kuche Sakiona as he was taking a shortcut through the woods on his way to his grandmother's house. His mother had warned him to stay away from this part of the forest. She'd warned him about the slit-mouthed woman, but he didn't listen. Tadashi wasn't afraid of her or of any spirit. He believed that with the right words, 
If you believed in them with all of your heart, you could protect yourself from such creatures. Just as his mother feared, Tadashi encountered Kuchisakiona in the woods. And as he ran down a trail, the sun having just dropped behind the ridge, she stepped out from behind a tree to confront him. Tadashi screamed out and stumbled away from her in terror, landing on his back. She quickly moved in to stand above him, and as she gazed down upon him, she asked her famous question, Do you think I'm beautiful? And he told her that she was. Then when she removed her mask to reveal the whore beneath, when she asked again, How about now? Tadashi chanted a curse about devils that his grandmother had taught him. I banish you to the shadow of death. I corrupt you to the netherworld from which no one has ever come from. Into the dirt no being should ever cross. And as soon as he finished this incantation, as he, he watched as two demonic hands rose up from the dirt behind Kuchisakiona. The hands grabbed her ankles, pulled her down into the earth. As she sank, she warned Tadashi, I will be back. I will tear you to pieces. <sighs> and she may have followed through on her threat. According to this old tale, several years later, when Tadashi was a young adult, despite his bravery in the forest, he still died in a terrible accident. Working alone on a farm one day, according to this story, it seems as if he tried to unjam his harvester, and the machine started up unexpectedly, and the sharp, heavy, whirling blades mangled <sighs> and tore him to pieces, just as she'd warned. <sighs> While Kuche Sakiona seems to prefer to slice, not all of her victims end up slashed in some way. According to another urban legend, a young boy named John was walking home from school one day when the slip-mouthed woman appeared in front of him and asked her deadly question. Petrified, John tried to run, but once the slip-mouthed woman has asked you her question, there's no place you can go and be safe. The cold fingers of Kuche Sakiona, enraged that he refused to play her game, found his neck and snapped it. John did not die right away. His body was found on the side of the road and paramedics raced him to the hospital where he died of his wounds, but not before telling a nurse that the slip-mouthed woman was who had killed him. One final story, one night a businessman named Taro went into a bar for a celebratory drink. There he spotted a beautiful woman sitting alone wearing a surgical mask. Oh boy. They chatted for a while and the chatting led to flirting. Soon Taro suggested they go somewhere more private. The two walked into an alley behind the bar where Tara moved to take off the woman's mask and lean in for a kiss. And then he was stopped with a question. Am I beautiful? He answered yes, and then the slip-mouthed woman removed her mask and revealed her horrifically split face. Taro screamed as she asked, how about now? Then recalling hearing tales of Kuchisakiona as a boy, he cried, yes! And she opened up his face with a knife. And despite not dying behind the bar in the alley, he did soon die from his wounds. And there are more stories. And I probably shouldn't tell any of them. I shouldn't have told the ones I've already spoken. Another part of this legend is that the more people talk about Kuche Sakiona, the more powerful she becomes, the more victims she'll claim. And if this is true, she'll never completely go away. Because once you've heard of her story, how can you not tell the tale of Kuche Sakiona again, Japan's slipmouth woman? I wish you would have never said her name. Yeah. Kind of an interesting story, right? Uh... Interesting, I don't think is the word. Terrifying. I like these, uh, something about these Japanese urban legends that remind me of so many of uh, like uh, South Korean and Japanese horror movies. Well, that would make sense. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, that they're based on like kind of the images from these mm -hmm. like tales and stuff. And I find those movies uh, especially spooky. Yeah, they do a good job. Mm -hmm. Do you have pictures? I do have some pictures. I was afraid. Uh, I mean, there, this, this first picture is from uh, a movie, it's a still from a movie called Carve the Slipmouthed Woman. 
2007. Oh, that's not what I was picturing at well, there's, all. Well, there's others. Okay. Uh, this is a 2007 Japanese horror film I've never seen, but one that's rated really well. Okay. Uh, followed by a sequel, 2008's Carve 2, The Scissors Massacre. Uh, not as well rated. Um, and then so this next picture is again from Carved, The Slip Mouth Woman. <sighs> a little different angle. And these pictures will be on Instagram and Facebook uh, for those of you listening. Uh, this next picture, creepy depiction of the slip mouth woman from a 2012 Japanese Ooh. horror movie. Right? Ooh, that is intense. It's this, a lot of gums. This movie is just called uh, Kuchi Sakiona. Huh. Uh, actually, it's called Kuchi Sakiona Returns. Sorry. Uh, not so well rated. A little lower budget one. And then uh, this this came up when looking for pictures of the slip mouth woman. Described as artist Jane Furby hand carved wood Janfer Woody woman doll. American folk art. And I just found it so creepy. Um, here's a, here's another picture of this doll. It just came up in the search. And I was like, I have to throw this in there. It's just like, who who would want that doll in their home? Well, I hate it. She looks like someone's angry Russian grandmother. <laughs> right, right. Or like when you first showed the close up, uh, I was like, is that some weird artist depiction of RBG? Because like she just recently oh, died, so like no, the uh-uh. right with the the lace collar, I was like, <laughs> no. that's offensive. No, it's just I just found it so odd. I'm like, why is this next to these pictures of this Japanese uh, slip mouth woman? Okay, yeah, what does that have to do with the Japanese slip mouth woman it, it, at all? It, nothing, nothing. It just came up in the same image search. I know it's just weird. Yeah, I love how image searches don't seem to have good filters. I guess it's the way they're described and tagged. It's whatever algorithm they use. Sometimes it just cracks me up. I'm like, how well, yeah. did this picture get put next to those pictures? Because I feel like if I'm Googling searching for some Uber-specific item, right. I will get a hundred websites where I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that thing existed. But if I click to images, I'm like, none of this. Yeah. None of this. So you can do the text part okay, but you can't do the yeah. picture part okay? It's just the way that the pictures are labeled somehow. I really thought that this slip-mouthed woman, I don't want to yeah. say her name because I feel like, you know, I don't want to give her more power. Um, I was thinking of the Momo as more of like... That's the image you had in your mind? Yeah, like a really taut face, yeah, yeah. you know, that, you know, from here you would think like, oh, how pretty, you know, right. pretty eyes, long dark hair, maybe like really big eyes and mm-hmm. then just a slit like, like clear across. Right. I don't know why I think that someone could make that like really surgical clean kind of cut right right and, like well, i don't know why i didn't think it would be jagged and all fucked up yeah from a sword yeah yeah just a terrible that's one of those things where it's like okay you know if the urban legend isn't true at all which you know you know obviously skeptical of these kind of urban legends all of this stuff uh, you know to some degree but like just that thought of having your mouth slit open that way i know my god my god and also, like, I mean, I'm... Turned into, like, a Pez dispenser. <sighs> I'm really into my skincare. And I got, oh. I got nervous. It just felt a little too, like... There's no lotion that can fix that. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking about how I'm always trying to, like, convince you, like, let me put some stuff on your face. Mm-hmm. Don't get so mad at me that you slip my face. <laughs> my God, no. Okay. I did not thought of that. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> oh, for a second, also, when you were saying, like, I, I didn't realize what year it was, like where we were. And you were like, yeah. oh, you know, and then she wears a surgical mask. I was like, oh, is this a coronavirus horror story? No, no. Because no. then you said at some point you said it's like 1979 or something. Right. And, the, and the, yeah, yeah, that was kind of an inter- interesting thing just to be reminded of too, that like, uh, you know, in, in like Japan, it's like oh, new yeah. here in many parts of the world now with COVID to like wear these masks. But in some parts of the world, as far as I know, mostly if not entirely in Asia, people have commonly been wearing, you know, uh, 
masks like that for many years. Right. And I think it's not only their cold and flu season, but also air quality. Right. In some places, yeah. air quality. It's exactly. a, a different kind of situation. But yes. Yeah, it is. It is part of some cultures already. Uh, all right. You ready to leave Japan? Where are we going? I have some local terror to share. Okay. Oh, Bef- yeah. Before we move on to this next story, we need to take a quick in-between story sponsor break. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. And uh, we hope you save some money taking advantage, taking advantage of one of their offers. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze. But one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Scared to Death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Scared to Death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. 
Head to Factormeals.com slash ScaredToDeath50 and use code ScaredToDeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code ScaredToDeath50 at Factormeals.com slash ScaredToDeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks again for listening to a sponsor break, Creeps and Papers. Time for another very disturbing trip to southern Idaho. Oh, boy. Between last week and this week, uh, not sure what the hell is going on down there. Something, clearly. Uh, this one comes from, as I said, Idaho Falls. The year was 1994. A little bit of setup here. Okay. Shauna was uh, 17 years old, no longer living at home due to an unfortunate family situation, the details of which she doesn't really dive into outside of saying it was abusive. Shauna was staying with her fiancé's parents. Their house was an older, unfinished two-story rancher located on a cul-de-sac at the end of a dead-end street. Shauna's fiancé, whom she doesn't name, had recently gotten into some trouble with the law, had been sent to jail with a six-month sentence. While she said she would have preferred not to stay with her fiancé's family while he was incarcerated, her options were slim. That October, a local cemetery was vandalized. Authorities, to Shauna's knowledge, never did find out who did it. Rumors swirled that a desecration occurred at the hands of some local teenagers messing around with the occult. No one will likely ever learn the full story. Several tombstones were destroyed, including Shauna's fiancé's grandfather's. Uh, Either not wanting to spend the money to have a new tombstone built or not having the extra cash to pay for that, Shauna's future father-in-law, who I'll call Gil for ease of storytelling, brought the various pieces of his father's grave to his house and attempted to reassemble it himself. Come on, that's so sweet and sad. Mm -hmm. If Shauna's account is to be believed, when he did this, he may have brought the ghost of his father home, or if the spirit she claims to have been terrorized by didn't belong to Gil's father, he certainly, if Shauna's account is to be uh, trusted, brought something home. Time now for a tale called taken home from the grave. Shauna said that Gil, sorry, I'm having name PTSD, PTSD. Okay, that's right here. Shauna said that Gil then carried the pieces of his father's tombstone, I'll call uh, the deceased man Craig, uh, down into his workshop he had in the basement. He got busy working on it with various vices and what he called rock glue, some kind of masonry adhesive. And the first night after he brought it all home, Shauna had her first encounter with what she now assumes to be Craig's ghost. It was late. One of her fiancé's sisters, Chloe, was leaving Shauna's room to go to her own room and go to bed for the night. She had to get up early for some kind of band practice before school the next day. As Chloe walked out of Shauna's room, she asked her sister-in-law-to-be if she wanted her light turned out. Not thinking much about it, Shauna said that would be fine, and with that, Chloe left and walked down the hall to her own room. Shauna now sat alone in total darkness. She gave her eyes some time to adjust as she prepared to lay down in bed and try falling asleep. And then she heard a heavy thud that came from across her room. She strained her eyes, stared in the direction of the noise to see what could have made it. And she was completely horrified to begin to see a shadowy figure standing by the wall next to the TV. Shauna said her first instinct was to run, but she was afraid that whatever this thing was might lunge at her if she tried to skirt past it and make it out of the room. She wasn't worried that an actual stranger, some intruder, was in her room. The thing she now stared at was human-shaped, but she didn't think it was human. As her eyes continued to adjust to the dark, she was able to see this thing a bit more clearly. It didn't seem to have any facial features. It didn't seem to really have any features at all, just a shape. She became convinced that despite not possessing eyes, this thing was looking at her. As it continued to cast its eyeless gaze, it didn't move. It remained completely still. 
So still, Shauna started to wonder if maybe it was just some, some sort of optical illusion. She hoped that if she just slid into bed and turned her back to it, maybe it would just go away. And she was wrong. As soon as she laid down and pulled her covers up, she heard footsteps scurrying across her room. She heard them stop right next to her bed. She felt her heart begin to race. In a panic, now she pulled the blanket up further, completely up over her head. She hid like she did when she was a small child, worried about a monster in the closet or something under her bed. Now she heard whatever this thing was walk to the foot of her bed. She was absolutely terrified. She didn't know what to do next. Her heart was beating so fast and so hard, she thought it might burst out of her chest. She tried to convince herself that she was just hearing things. She told herself she must be. The alternative was too awful. She decided that the best thing she could do would be to fall asleep. Maybe if she fell asleep, maybe this thing would just go away. Maybe in the morning she could convince herself that it had all been in her head, that she must have been dreaming. Then she heard what sounded like distant static, like a radio station that wasn't quite coming in, barely audible, then more scurrying. The thing seemed to walk over near the door to her room, then back to the foot of her bed. Then it sounded like it slowly walked around to the side of her bed. <sighs> now the static was a bit louder, but no more intelligible. Shauna tried to fake sounds of breathing like someone who was asleep, repeating in her mind, please go away. Please God, just go away. Over and over. She wanted to recite the Lord's Prayer, but it had been too long since she'd been to church. She couldn't remember the words. She just kept thinking, please, God, make it go away. Help me. There was no help. The thing remained. She could still hear the sound of distant static. She could still feel its presence. Then once more, she heard the sound of movement. It was moving back towards the foot of her bed now. And then she felt a new, unexpected horror. Shauna's bed began to sink down near her feet. <sighs> it felt as if someone were climbing into her bed with her. Now she thought, what if I was wrong? What if that is a real person? What if someone <sighs> is? She started to second-guess her earlier gut feeling. What if this was a real person crawling into her bed right now? Or, more terrifying, what if some dark entity that could be seen, heard, now felt was crawling into bed with her? What might it do next? Paralyzed with fear, far too scared to rip the covers back and face whatever she now felt crawling up alongside her, she stayed under her blanket. She tried not to freak out. Then she felt this thing begin to tug on the blanket. Oh... Oh my God, she thought someone was trying to pull the covers off of her. She felt just a weak little tug at first, then it pulled a bit harder. It took everything Shauna had not to cry out. She didn't want her future in-laws to think their son was going to be marrying a crazy person. With him incarcerated, they already had enough to deal with. And then, thank God, there was a knock at the door. Shauna, can I come in? It was Chloe. As Chloe spoke, she felt whatever had been beside her slither back down to the foot of the bed, and then she heard it scurry off towards the far wall by the TV. Yeah. Yeah, she said to Chloe in a voice she fought to keep from wavering. Come on in. G go ahead and turn on the light. She pulled the blankets off her face as the door opened. Chloe flipped on the lights as Shauna now glanced around the room. Of course, she didn't see anything. What's up, she asked Chloe. Sorry, said Chloe. I didn't want to freak you out, but I thought I heard someone crack open my door. <gasps> Then it sounded like someone was walking down the hall. I tried to tell myself it was just mom or dad, but I never hear them walking around in the middle of the night unless one of them is getting something from the kitchen. But no one ever turned on the lights in the kitchen, so I started to worry that a stranger might be in the house before waking mom and dad up. I just wanted to come in and see if you'd heard anything. Shauna thought about not saying anything, but she was so scared, even more scared than before now. She thought she might break down and start crying. What was happening? She told Chloe everything, and Chloe believed every word. 
Neither of them had any idea what to make of it all. They decided to both sleep in Shauna's room together, strength in numbers. They eventually did fall asleep and suffered no further disturbances that night. They both thought a lot about everything the next day, especially Shauna. Had Chloe heard something, someone walk into her room? What if some man had broken? in? Would he be back? Or if it was some kind of spirit, would it be back? The girls didn't have to wait long to find out. That next night, after everyone had gone to sleep, Chloe shook Shauna awake. She had to go to the bathroom. They'd made a pact that if either of them had to get up and do anything in the middle of the night, the other one was to come with them. The bathroom was down the hall past the door to the basement where Gil had continued to work on his father's tombstone earlier that day. And when they'd made it to the bathroom after opening the door and just before heading inside, they both distinctly heard the door to the basement creak open. Looking back towards it, neither Shauna nor Chloe liked the way the door swung out and then abruptly stopped the way it would as if someone were holding onto the doorknob. Then after a brief pause, the door swung back closed again, just like it would if someone who had just entered the house from the basement had shut it. No fucking way. Then they heard what sounded like someone walking towards them, someone they couldn't see. Chloe quickly entered the bathroom. Shauna followed before shutting the door as fast as you can shut a door without slamming it. Then they locked it. After a few seconds of tense silence, they both screamed in unison when whatever was in the hall violently jiggled the door handle. Shortly after they screamed, the noises stopped. They heard footsteps now move back towards the basement. They heard the basement door open, close once more. After a few seconds of silence, another door opens. The sounds of footsteps yet again flood the hallway. Shauna and Chloe let out another scream when someone knocks on the bathroom door. Then they hear what sounds like Chloe's mom, Irene, scream in the hallway. Mom, Chloe yelled, is that you? Yes, it's me, goddammit, Irene shouted back. You about gave me a heart attack. Chloe cracked open the door, making sure she was talking to her mother before fully opening it. Sorry, Mom. We just heard someone else out in the hallway. Irene asked, what the hell are both of you doing in the bathroom? (laughs) Chloe and Shauna explained the whole situation, what had happened in Shauna's room the night before, what Chloe thought she heard in the halls, everything. Irene shook her head. They both thought she was going to yell at them for being silly, for getting themselves all worked up over nothing, for waking her up. That did not happen. Instead, Irene curiously muttered, Goddamn Craig. (gasps) Grandpa? Chloe asked. Irene then told both of them about Chloe's grandpa, her father-in-law. Grandpa Craig had died when Chloe was young. She really didn't have any memories of him. Her parents never really spoke much about him. She had always thought that was a bit odd, but never pushed it, pursued it with her parents. Irene now finally told her why. She said, your grandpa was an asshole. (laughs) He was a mean, mean man. And then she paused and said, and he was sick. When Chloe asked what she meant by sick... All Irene would say is that he was a pervert. She didn't seem interested in giving any more details. Shauna thought of the thing climbing into bed with her and her skin crawled. Irene looked off in the distance for a bit. She seemed to be deep in concentration. Then she said, follow me. She turned on the lights in the kitchen, grabbed two flashlights out of a drawer. She flipped on the lights in the living room and in the hallway. She handed one flashlight to Chloe, told Shauna to stay close behind them. Chloe asked her mom if they should wake up uh, her dad. Irene told her to leave him be that he wouldn't be any help with what she needed to do. All three women opened the basement door, descended down after flipping on the light. No way. Immediately, Shauna noticed how much colder it felt down there than the rest of the house. Before she could even ask if it was normally like that, Chloe said, God, I don't remember it ever being this cold down here. No, said Irene, whose voice now felt a bit fragile. No, me neither. 
The old office-style fluorescent light flickered, and all three women caught a glimpse of a shadow figure now darting across the basement floor near a table where Gil had been working on adhering the tombstone pieces back together. You don't scare me, you old prick, yelled Irene. Before, uh, but you could tell by her voice, she was most definitely scared. Chloe, she yelled, give Shauna your flashlight, grab that rubber garbage can. The shadowy figure could again be seen moving about as she spoke. Chloe grabbed the garbage can, brought it towards her mom, who told her to push it up against the work table. Then Irene handed Chloe her flashlight, told her to stand back, keep it pointed on her, and the pieces of the tombstone. You're going to stay gone this time, you old bastard, Irene grumbled. She pushed the pieces of granite across the table towards and then into the garbage can. As she pushed, Shauna screamed. The shadow was right behind Irene. It looked like it was pacing around erratically, almost just vibrating in a menacing way that was hard to explain. She said she heard the same static she'd heard the night before. It sounded more menacing somehow. Don't look at him, Irene yelled. She kept pushing pieces of rock into the garbage can. Once it looked like all the rocks were in, Irene grabbed a small broom, swept the dust towards the can as well. I want you gone, she muttered through clenched teeth. While Shauna held the flashlight, Irene grabbed some bolt cutters, tossed them into the garbage. Then she and Chloe carried the heavy rubber trash can up the stairs, out of the house. They set it, secured it in the back of Irene's old Silverado, and then they all hopped in the cab. The dark figure never seemed far away on their journey. They drove several miles to the cemetery, all on edge, lights and shadows around them moving constantly or seeming to in the most unnatural of ways. They made it to the cemetery in about 10 minutes. Irene got out, used the bolt cutters to pop the lock on the gate so they could drive up to the gravesite. She didn't care if anyone caught them driving onto the grounds illegally after hours. She said she didn't give a rat's ass, that she'd be more than happy to give whatever cop they came across the rubble and let him deal with Craig. When they made it to the gravesite, Irene, Chloe, Shauna all hopped out of the truck, grabbed the trash can. They carried it over to where Irene's father-in-law was buried. Irene dumped the contents onto the dirt, old pieces of tombstone, random garbage from the basement. She dumped it all. Put the can back in the truck, she told her daughter. Chloe and Shauna climbed back in the cab after tossing the empty trash bin in the back of the truck. Irene stood over the gravesite alone for a few moments. She was saying something. Sounded like a prayer. Maybe the Lord's Prayer. Shauna thought she heard her say, deliver us from evil. She also thought she heard her say, fuck you, Craig. (laughs) And she climbed back into the truck as well, leaving the pile of garbage next to the grave. They backed out of the cemetery, drove home. On the return trip home, Irene told him that she thought Gil had brought back his dad's spirit when he brought back that tombstone. She had heard and seen things the past two days as well. She tried to convince herself it was all in her mind until Shauna and Chloe told them what they'd seen, heard, and felt. She thought Gil had been acting really funny since he'd started working on the tombstone. Really lethargic, just not himself. She hoped now that with this gone, he'd be better. Without going into a lot of detail, she told him that Craig was just a really, really bad guy in life and that she wasn't surprised his energy would come back somehow. She told Gil that she should have left his dad's tombstone in pieces. It was what he deserved. That night, there were no more disturbances. The next day, Irene saged the whole house. She talked to her old minister, uh, had the minister come over and bless the house promising him she'd start uh, going back to church uh, if he did. She didn't. Uh, It seemed to have worked. Writing all this down over 20 years later, Shauna said she never experienced anything in that house again or anywhere else. She continued to live there for almost a year after those two terrible nights, never had another encounter. Sometimes she did think she heard something or that she saw a shadowy entity moving out of the corner of her eye, but she thinks that was just all in her imagination. Just her mind playing tricks on her. Tricks that felt so much more terrifying now that she knew what else could be out there. 
something that, you know, means to do you harm. All four of them, Shauna, Chloe, Irene, and Gil, they all believe that either the spirit of Craig or some other entity that had attached itself to his tombstone spent a few days with them in their home. They believe that when the tombstone was desecrated, a spirit was somehow let loose, and they've never retur- returned to his gravesite since. I love Irene. <laughs> I know. That was part of like um, picking that story is like uh, definitely had more humor than yeah, a lot of them, yeah. where it's like um, very different approach towards one of these things, just somebody going with their gut instinct and just right. like, and just kind of like going aggressive back, which I almost never come across in these stories. Sure. Which makes sense. You know, most well, people's yeah, reaction is like, oh my God, <laughs> Irene, uh, she seems salty I, in a good way. Oh, I love Irene. <laughs> I just love the, and deliver us from evil, amen, and fuck you, Craig. Just like that combination. <laughs> Oh, if I was a praying woman, that would be me. <laughs> uh, there's no pictures associated with this story. Just a random, you know, tale. Yeah, uh, yeah. And like, you know, whatever. There's all these different sites on the web. But I, I just decided to put uh, a little palate cleanser. After okay. two dark stories, I just thought this was adorable. <laughs> this is a chihuahua dressed in a Superman costume, walking oh, on a treadmill. My gosh. How is he standing <laughs> up on two legs? He's not. It's just the way his costume's made. His his his, his I butt, don't see any it's the way it's shot. You can kind of see his tail bouncing oh, in the back. Oh, there it is. I was like, I, but I only see uh, two legs. so great. It looks like he's just a little Superman getting ready to fly. Have you seen the cat dressed as like Maleficent, essentially, on Instagram? No. Oh, it's so good. It's a similar situation, but you know, it's like a big cape and gown with the big oh, yeah. collar neck standing up. Yep. I oh, it's so great. That costume. I'll have to find it and send it to you. Yeah, that I really, that second story was one of... Uh, I just really liked it. Yeah, it was just, just really fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit lighter. But also, I mean, I feel like we had a story at some point about, oh, man, was it in Mexico? The mannequin? Philipp- the Philippines? No, something about, and, and maybe it was just mixed into uh, general folklore about, like, when you go to a funeral um, and then you go to the burial site, like, mm-hmm. there's a certain process so they don't bring anything home with you. That might have been one of the listener stories. I don't think that was one of mine. Yeah, it might it might have been. I know that we had a story in the Philippines a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, about, I think it was one of your listener one of the listener stories. Yeah, I can't I can't really place it. If you guys know, you can let me know. But I mean I I think you're right. I think it was Philippines. Yeah. Or I might just be mashing a couple stories together, which yeah. you know happens when you've done so many. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't you've not been to a lot of funerals. I haven't actually. So I've been to like too many to mention. Yeah. But there is, uh, okay, there's two sides to a cemetery in my opinion. My dad and I love an old cemetery, love trying to find the oldest tombstone. I do too, actually. It's really cool because Mm -hmm. you just think about like, what was life like when you were here, when you were buried, all you write history. But then also they can be really fucking creepy. Oh, yeah. And just having gone to a lot of funerals, especially in a certain phase and time period in my life. You know, it is really like you do feel something there, in my opinion. I'd, mm-hmm. I've never stepped foot in a cemetery and not felt something. And I don't know if it's just the collective thought of sorrow of, you know, even though we all know that we'll die one day and that hopefully our lives will be remembered and celebrated and all that. But there, it is still sad to yeah. stand around a gravesite, watch a casket being lowered in, you know, the flowers on top, the priest, the prayers, you are dust and so dust you shall return, like the whole pomp and circumstance of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you just walk into a cemetery feeling every person's sorrow who's, who's ever stood hmm. there, right? If it's just... I felt so different as a kid, and maybe just because I'm a weirdo. But <laughs> You are a weirdo, and this is very abnormal. Yeah, because I used to like to go play in the cemetery. <laughs> and my grandma would take me, she would humor me, 
<laughs> and then eventually she found it too kind of macabre and she was like this is enough did she think it was too macabre when you wanted to have the picnic in the cemetery that was my great grandma and she refused I wanted to have a picnic in the cemetery, and then she was like, that's the line. Because you and grandma, it was you and Grandma Betty that me used to roll Betty, down the hill, right? Well, she wouldn't roll down the hill, but she would watch me roll down the hill in the cemetery because like, that cemetery was on a hill. But I loved it. I loved the energy. I, I, and I would think about like the, the, the bodies and stuff that were there, and I just imagined them being like good. It was like hanging out with a bunch of cool people who used to live in town. Okay. Well, maybe that's very different. Also, like your cemetery... Where you grew up is mm-hmm. very small. I feel like I could yeah. fit in this studio. No, it's not that small. There's a couple hundred people there. There's a couple hundred gravesites. It's been around for a while. Oh, it's, it's not pre- that small. Pretty small. In comparison to... In comparison to a big city one, yes. Right. Well, so like what I grew up with, you know, it's like acre upon acre. You know, there's the fancy cemetery on this side of town. Oh. There's like the regular cemetery over here. The fancy cemetery, huh. you know, is gated and guarded and you can't come in unless wow. you can prove that you have family there. Um, huh. Yeah, very, very different. But I don't know, like my mom or they have my no, dad. No picnic policy at those cemeteries? Firm no picnic policy. That's good. Yeah, the, the city cemetery you could probably go to though. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of my family is buried pretty much in one cemetery. And even, you know, my parents are divorced and my dad would go and clean off graves, you know, headstones and leave flowers. My mom would do the same for him. It's just, I don't know. I. But I just remember being so sad always in a in a cemetery. Hmm. I don't have any positive feelings about it. Not, they're not negative necessarily. Yeah. Just sad. Huh. So interesting. Well, anyways, I loved her. Um, <laughs> Irene? Yeah. I, I really, really loved her. And also, why the fuck would kids vandalize the cemetery? To me, that's uh, so disrespectful. Wow. Teenagers, angry teenagers. I, I was one I've of them. I've done some fucked up things when I was a teenager. That was not one of them. That just seemed like a lie. I would have. I would have at some point. You no just, way. When you just, uh, if, if you're in that mindset where you just don't care, you just want to cause mayhem. I guess mine was a little bit different. And yeah. But anyways, I just think that's so rude. I mean, my, oh, yeah. my parents also, you know, told me like, <laughs> I don't know if they were joking with me, but not to walk across, like if the. No, you're not supposed to walk in front uh, on top of the, uh, where the body would be. Yeah. It's like a respect thing. In my little kid head, I was afraid I was going to step on their heads. <laughs> I'd be like, ow, hey. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you could walk on my feet, but Whoa, not on my what head. What the hell? I know. So it's so silly. So silly. Cemeteries. There you have it. So let's hear those stories. All right. You got three of them. I like I have, it. I have three. Three quick hitters. Whoa. Yeah. I have three really good ones. Um, And I also, Dan, do you know what this Friday is? Uh, Nope. Dan, it's our first. Oh, yes. Ha, ha, ha. It's our first show. I know. I live day to day. You sure do. I'm the mm-hmm. planner. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Um, so, yeah, I'm just super excited about that. And we just wanted to say thank you. I mean, we know that going out in the times of coronavirus is tricky and everybody has a different set of feelings about it. And we respect all yeah. your choices. But we're super stoked for everyone who feels comfortable to come out. And uh, I can't wait to say hello to everyone with my crystal mask on at the oh, end. Boy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we do. We have three stories today getting yeah. into it. Um, and just before we dive into that, I just wanted to say thanks to all of our Annabelles. Um, your shout outs will come after the stories. Cool. We we have a lot and I have a special system. I'm keeping track. No one will get lost in the shuffle, but there's a lot of you. Which and is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really ridiculously amazing. Um, but we're going to limit it to 20 a show to try and keep the the shout outs cool to a minimum okay are you ready I'm ready off to germany the story comes from jenny with no last name 
She says, hello, Lord Suckmaster Dan <laughs> and Queen of All Lindsay, as well as the fabulous team at Bad Magic Productions. Thank you. Some might call what happened an episode of vivid dreams and sleep paralysis. I might have done so too if it didn't fit into a context too profound to simply dismiss. It was the night of March 22nd to March 23rd, 2018, a Thursday night. I was sleeping soundly up until the moment I woke up, or at least I thought I woke up, lying on my stomach, face pointing to the right side of my bed. I didn't open my eyes and I couldn't speak. I couldn't even move. My heart was hammering wildly in my chest, and I sensed someone kneeling down on the left side of my body. I don't know why, but I just knew it was a man. Shortly after, I felt a presence on my left arm, like someone had put a hand there just to let me know, yeah, I'm here, but it's okay. Then I got the mental image of this person taking headphones off my head, giving me the impression that somehow, suddenly, I could hear clearer than before. And then I heard a male voice saying crystal clear inside my head, we all fall down in a rather soothing tone. While I was wondering what that could mean, I felt a second hand stroking alongside my right arm in again, a caressing, soothing sort of manner. And that was not the male presence, or at least it didn't feel like it. This felt like a woman's presence. Shortly after the presence of them vanished, the paralysis lessened. My heart rate slowed down, and after a couple deep breaths and the knee-jerk reaction, lucid dream thought of, huh, that was an odd dream, I once again was swept away into the nothingness of sleep. That alone is not impressive, since it could all be chalked up to, as I said, a crazy vivid dream. What followed, though, makes me believe that the line, we all fall down, said in a calm and soothing tone, had more meaning behind it. Four days after that odd dream event, on Monday, March 26th, my sister called me. She told me that our 94-year-old grandmother, who lived in a nursing facility due to her highly advanced dementia, had decided to stop eating. The doctor said that the only way to countermeasure this was to forcibly feed her via a feeding tube, and since she had a living will preventing this kind of procedure, they informed my uncle and my father of the impending death of their mother. Mm. So that was so that we all as a family could prepare ourselves. They had gotten that phone call on Friday, March 23rd, the same night as we as my dream. We all fall down. We're all going to die someday, right? How and why in the world would I dream something like that the night before my grandmother decided it was her time to go? I didn't know about the phone call to my father either. None of us knew about it except my dad and my uncle. Was that a crazy coincidence or did benevolent entities tried to comfort me right then and there, knowing what was to happen. I told this to my sister half a year later after I came to terms with the idea that, yeah, this did happen. It wasn't so hard to believe since it wasn't the first time I had experienced something of that nature. I just never thought of it in the context of paranormal. I've never seen anything, never, but I'm not unfamiliar with the feelings of presences in my vicinity. Never really malevolent, they're just there. My sister is a Reiki master and very much attuned to the spiritual side of the world. When I told her about what had happened and that it wasn't the first time either, she said I must have some sort of clairaudient ability, which is psychic hearing. Shit like that is fascinating, fascinating, but super scary. Most of my life, I was skeptical. I love logic, science, and proof of facts. I still do, but I also know what I heard and felt that night. And somehow, even though it was kind of scary, it did help me. Mission accomplished 
ghosty goo. Thank <laughs> you for the wonderful shows, Lindsay and Dan, and the team of Bad Magic. Yours truly, Time Sucker and Peeper, Jenny from Germany. Uh, thanks, Jenny from Germany. Isn't that like an odd timeline? Mm-hmm. I know that is. Like, uh, yeah, that would be quite the coincidence. I like that story. Uh, just a reminder, too, of like benevolent mm-hmm. kind of entities. If we're going to entertain this possibility that there are spirits out there that not only exist, but can can, can uh, contact us. Yes. I don't know why my mind always goes to just like horror. Right. It doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be bad. Like yeah. I'm, you know, if you think back to the beginning of this show mm-hmm. over a year ago, when I first dove into having Reiki performed on me mm-hmm. consistently. I remember you talking about yeah. that, that spirit. Yeah. Like an older man would show up mm-hmm. and my mom's dad, they were really close. She was definitely daddy's little girl and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just always seemed like it fit that profile. And maybe I was forcing that narrative. I'm totally open to that. But also, just like, I don't know, maybe he was just letting me know he was there, letting me know things were okay. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. don't live by my parents. So maybe, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it could just be something sweet. Like, hey, I'm up here. I'm watching out for you. I'm watching out for your mom. Everything's all right. At the time, my mom was going through some shit. So I don't know. It doesn't have to be bad. Do you ever think it could be just a guy jerking off to I mean, I am pretty hot, so I get it. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to open that door, I'm going to walk through it. (laughs) But yes, yes. But seriously, yeah. Uh, It could be something nice. Are you going to be a weird, creepy jerk-off ghost? Why why did you have to take that angle with it? Just because I brought one up. Why does it have to be me someday? Because you're going to be a ghost someday. Why why am I going to be a jerk-off ghost? Well, because clearly the thoughts are in your mind. But other ghosts, not me. I mean, projection, you know? It's a little Freudian slip. Yes, it could be worse fates. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. All right. So our next story takes us to Oregon, just outside of Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, a story of some kind of benign spirit, maybe, hanging out with a young family. Let's hear what our fan Jacob has to say to us about this little friend. Jacob says, Dear Dan and Lindsay, I will post my thanks and appreciation at the bottom and jump right into the story, as I imagine you're combing through hundreds of emails. True. (laughs) Here is my story. I was going through quite the change back in 2013. I had fallen in love hard and fast with the girl of my dreams at the age of 23. I was now engaged to her with our three-month-old son sitting in my lap as we made wedding plans while my three-year-old, soon-to-be stepson, built castles out of Legos. All of this on top of moving into a new apartment to fit our quickly growing family. It was a cozy little two-bedroom, to put it nicely, but the apartment complex was lovely and the landlords were kind people. Not to mention, as far as we were concerned, finding a place under $1,000 with a washer and dryer in the wine country near Portland (laughs) was a steal of a deal. Red flag? We had been settled into the place for quite some time with no incident. Then one night... While I was alone with the kids, we had gotten caught up on watching a movie. One of those instances where there was no need to have the lights on when you started the movie, but by the time you finish, the entire house is pitch black because the sun has gone down. I was bouncing my youngest, trying to get him back to some semblance of sleep, and my three-year-old got up from watching the movie to go to the restroom. I told him to turn on the hall light as he went in that direction so that we could get some light back into the house. As he waddles his way over to the bathroom, he looked down the hallway and started giggling. You thinking about that funny part of the movie? I asked him. He smiled wide, shaking his blonde head wildly as little kids are prone to do. No, daddy, it's the silly man. Guy is so silly. 
I frowned and walked over to flick on the lights and look down the hall. It was a straight shot into the boys' room from the living room, and a little part of me was concerned that perhaps some creep was making faces in their window. Since both the bedroom windows faced the street, any passerby could see in our rooms if the blinds were up and the light was right. My wife and I had learned this the hard way one day while we were practicing for kid number three. (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) But now there was no one looking in, no stranger danger, no teenagers peeping, and certainly no silly man. Just a strange feeling in the pit of my stomach when I flicked on the lights and seemed as if the shadows of the kids' rooms had taken a little bit longer to dissipate. A few days later, the four of us were headed out of the house for a walk in the park. It was the first glimpse of spring, and in Oregon, nearly everyone dives on the chance to get some vitamin D by mid-March. As we pushed the stroller with both boys in it, our eldest waves at the windows to our rooms. Bye, guy! Bye-bye! Later, gator! My wife and I look at our kid, the windows, and then each other. I take it you've heard about guy? She asked. I nodded. A little. Everyone needs an imaginary friend. Lord knows I had dozens. I rationalized as we kept walking. She giggled. I think you get a pass since you're a writer. I smirked and glanced back over my shoulder. I never told her, but right as I did, the light in the bedroom's bo- in the boy's bedroom flicked on, and I swore I saw the blinds slowly swivel themselves shut. Uh. A week went by, which was just long enough for us to start to forget about Guy. I was making pancakes on a Sunday morning. My dad never took us to church, but instead he spent the Lord's Day making breakfast since it was always the one day he had off. I kept the tradition going by having the three-year-old color while the baby sat in the high chair. Playing music and tossing flapjacks was quickly ruined by both my three-year-old and the baby who looked at the wall to their left at the same time to the same spot. Obviously, they could not coordinate something like this at their Mm -hmm. age. My three-year-old gets up seconds later and nips any reasoning away I any reasoning away I can do in the bud by walking up and touching the spot on the wall and pushing it. Guy, I want to do that. He presses his head against the wall. Daddy, show me how. A week after that, my wife and I were cuddling in bed. She'd fallen fast asleep, wasting no time since both kids were also sleeping for once. I lay there enjoying my role as the big spoon, nuzzling into an ocean of sweet-smelling auburn hair. Mm -hmm. A sudden wave of cold washed over my body, as if someone had grabbed the bottom of the blanket and lifted it, letting in a wash of frigid air. The blanket hadn't moved. I opened my eyes and looked around. How odd. A second cold sensation slowly began to press itself against my back. I froze. It felt like I was not the big spoon anymore, but rather the middleman. Someone, something was pushing itself against me. But that wasn't the worst part. I had one arm still draped over my wife's waist, and as I fearfully lay there, utterly paralyzed by the idea of glancing back over my shoulder and seeing God only knows what, I felt a cold, clammy hand slide up mine until it was also resting on my wife's hip. Now, I'm not a jealous guy, but this just seemed rude. (laughs) I sat up in bed, my protective nature overriding my fear. I spun around, seeing nothing in the room, nothing in bed beside me, just nothing. As I lay back down, a raspy voice whispered in my ear, The price. What is the price? I gasped and rolled to check again, and once again, nothing was there. Babe, please, my wife mumbled in her sleep. I'm trying to sleep. I proceeded to lay awake all night hoping I wouldn't hear or feel Guy anytime soon. 
A year later, a new townhouse opened up in a great school district, and we moved into the heart of Newburgh. Moving with a one-year-old and a four-year-old was not easy. No, the easy part was putting the apartment in the rear view. As we drove away, past our old window, the blinds slowly opened, the lights flickered one last time, probably Guy bidding us one last farewell. Yeek. I, know, like, I, don't like, I don't like the kid scene at the same time. I know. But again, I mean, similar to story one and kind of, you know, it's like not necessarily bad. I don't know. He got a little handsy. Well, you're going to be a handsy ghost. That's true. But that doesn't mean that because I might not be a good ghost. Are you going to be naughty? Are you? How is jerking off not naughty? Well, but no one's going to like see you jerking off. You know what I mean? What if I pinch nipples <laughs> and jerk off? Is that naughty? Can you keep our private life out of this? <laughs> oh, that's a crazy story, though. I know. Kids, <laughs> like, kids are creepy in general because kids, <laughs> kids do weird shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, even when there's not a spirit involved, it's like kids just do weird, strange yeah. things. They say things. They speak in, you know, just a jumble of words that don't make sure, sense. Sure, their brains aren't very developed. Yeah, well. They're like little drunk sailors. And just the fact that both kids saw it at the same time. That's the thing. Right. The kids seeing like down the hall, like giggling, like, and then like, I don't know what he was trying to mimic uh, when he was like, daddy, do what guy does. Show me how. It's like he was seeing something happen. Man, that weird me out. Mm -hmm. What's worse? A kid seeing something or (sighs) big spoon becomes middle spoon. Big spoon becomes middle spoon. Why Why is that worse? Thank you. Is it worse you because you feel yeah, it? Because you feel it, and because like that's that's just so invasive. Like something in your bed, that's like uh, you know, like that whole mm. what is it? I'm I can't remember like incubus succubus, but it's like there's one mm-hmm. male, one female, but it's like that whole kind of world. I know. I don't like to let that go in my brain too much because that really freaks me out. Right. But also, why do ghosts like spirits? Why do we only find them bothering us at night? I was thinking about this mm. when we were talking about oh, you turn on the lights and there's nothing there. Why are they only in the dark? And in this story, they're not, which is interesting. Oh, right. Yeah, because I guess, like, they are mainly in the dark. But there are definitely, uh, you know, like, like there's pictures. I think about uh, pictures you see where somebody claims to have caught, like, a face of some ghost in a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, those pictures, in my experience, seeing them almost always taken during the day. Yeah. 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 But, yes, it does seem like, for sure, most encounters, uh, you know, happen at night. But I, And I also think that, like, um, okay. Let's entertain the possibility, obviously, with this show, that this mm-hmm. stuff is real, mm-hmm. or we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then even if it is real, that doesn't mean that there aren't still a lot of made-up stories added on to the real. Fair. And if I'm going to be making up stories, I think, like, the trope is that the stuff happens at night. That's what happens in all the horror movies. Yeah. Most of the fiction. Then it would make sense that, like, a lot of stories end up also happening at night that may just not be real ones. Maybe, like people's imagination yeah or like we've talked about before we don't know the rules yeah yeah there's maybe that. for some reason the the veil or whatever is thinner at night uh, maybe that's it are you ready for just one more i am it is another um creepy invisible friend so i think that's super fun that's kind of been the theme here yeah so this little story goes hello my name is dustin i want to share an account told to me by my mother of something that happened to me as a child. I tell you this, not remembering any of this ever happening. When I was very young, around three or four, my parents bought a fixer-upper house in the San Luis Valley of Colorado. I was going to say San Luis Obispo. (laughs) San Luis Valley of Colorado. 
a place well known for paranormal happenings and UFO sightings. When we moved into this house, my mother said I began speaking and playing with an imaginary friend, Timmy. The house was a multiple-story home with some areas already in various stages of construction. I played both in and out of the home with my invisible friend Timmy for months with no real problems. The house was in a very rural area, so my actual real friends were hard to come by and usually came in the form of my cousins. Although I could see and speak to Timmy quite frequently, none of my other family members or friends could ever see him. I was well aware of the areas in the house I could not play in because of the construction going on. One seemingly normal day, my parents were working on the middle level of the house when they heard a thud, then followed by my cries. My parents ran to where I was and they found me just lying in front of a large metal fireplace. The chimney was being replaced and had had an exposed opening from the upper level of the house. I had fallen through that opening and hit the floor. Uh. No real injuries were incurred other than being very bruised up. When my mother asked why I was in that room or even on that level of the house as I was not supposed to be up there, I told her that Timmy had told me to come by him, that he needed to show me something. (laughs) A few days after this incident, my mother stopped me from following Timmy back into the same area of the house. Concerned by my behavior, she asked neighbors about the house and its previous owners. Come to find out, the reason the house was left unfinished was that the previous family who lived there had had a son named Timmy, and while remodeling their home, he had fallen through the same spot I did on the exact same day I did. Unfortunately, Timmy didn't just get a few scrapes and bruises, but rather he hit the fireplace and died instantly. My mother verified this through the town newspaper. My father sealed the hole as so as to keep this from hopefully ever happening again, and we moved out within days of this, never to return. Good job, Mom and Dad. Way to get the fuck out. My mother said Timmy did not want me to leave and that he stood waving to me as we left, or so I told her. I never again saw Timmy since the day we left, and I have had no memory of this, but maybe it's just due to age and the way that memories fade away. I hope this creeps you out as it has me over the years. I'm a newcomer to the podcast and love it. You will have a fan and follower in me hereafter. Best regards, Dustin. Dustin, that creeped me the fuck out. Isn't that fucking awful? That gave me the chills. Yeah, I saw. Yikes. It, uh-huh. it, it's just that thing of like same day uh-huh. and then verifying it in the paper that uh-huh. a boy of the same name fell. And it's like, and why would that fucking kid ghost want to kill other kids? Maybe he doesn't want to be alone in his little ghost world. Oh, maybe. Like, come play with me. Come be my friend. That's what's so scary about kid ghosts is that it's like they may not necessarily be like malevolent. The same way like an adult ghost is like, like, like okay, let's go with this thing of uh, let's say when you die – um, you can be a ghost mm-hmm. and that your kind of consciousness can is the same as when you died. Like like your level of maturity, your level of like oh, intellect. Sure, sure, sure. Your level of kind of like ethical awareness. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a kid, kids don't necessarily have that, which is why they need to be parented to, you know, prevent them from turning out to be complete pieces of shit mm-hmm. when they get older. It's like they don't have that moral compass necessarily uh, hardwired mm-hmm. as well. And so it's like if some kid dies when they're five or six, like they're if if they have that level of maturity on the other side, right, then they would have this kind of like immature level of anger, and they could do so much damage without necessarily being like a bad right person. No, it's, just it's like, not. I, it's... I, 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 why am I here alone? 
Right. I it's not you, ill-intended. Yeah. Right, yeah. They're right. Just, they're a kid. And Which kids, is somehow not... scarier to me. Well, I don't know that it's scarier so know. much it feels more dangerous. Okay, more reckless somehow. Uh, reckless. That's a great word. Because yeah. it's like they don't know. They're just – they're kids. It's just the way that – um you have to teach kids about stranger danger, right? You're at right. the park and I mean, kids, it's such a beautiful thing actually with children where it's like a kid's at a park and they're going down the slide and then another kid comes down behind them and then they kind of talk to each other and now they're playing a game. And then this guy yeah. over here and now they're all playing it. Like, yeah, they, they don't have that filter. They just think like, I just want to have fun and be with people and right, because we're right. human and that's our natural tendency. Yeah. It's like is, a little ghost kid just wants to play. It's not thinking like, I'm going to kill this kid because I died. I, I mean, I don't think so. Right. Nine times out of 10, I suppose there are some people who are born evil. And if you're born evil yeah. and you die young before you have the ability to do evil, does that carry over? Yeah. That was a really creepy story. I know it. That's unnerving. I, I agree. Hey, Dan, do you know what yeah. time it is? It's um, thank you time. It's spoopy shout out time. <laughs> um, and also just a little <laughs> note here now that we're at the end of the show. If the shout outs are not for you, peace. I don't need another email telling me how shitty and annoying these are. Oh, yeah, because they're, they're at the end of the they're show. They're at the end. You're, you, you don't have to listen to them to get to more stories. Yeah. You can, and, you can just push stop. And and there will never be something after the spoopy yeah. shout outs. So if this is not your jam, you don't like it. That's totally cool. See you bye. Yeah, being mad at the shout outs at the end is the equivalent of being mad at that the credits at the end of a movie roll on too long. <laughs> nice. Wow, it's too many credits. It's like, yeah, you yeah, don't you have just, to watch them. I don't want to watch them. Yeah. I stop. I love the credits. Um, okay. And so with that also in mind, with all the Annabelle shout outs, I get so many amazing emails that I'm actually really grateful for. So many people wanting shout outs. And I do genuinely enjoy wishing people happy birthday, happy yeah. anniversary. But we have to condense it. Um to five a show and i know that doesn't feel like a lot but we have all these annabelles to yeah, get to yeah, so yeah. maybe in time it'll grow back so let's uh let's start with a thank you to our annabelles with their awesome shout outs so thank you annabelle Catherine murphy the very first ever Aww, annabelle that's awesome yeah kimberly with no last name christian leadham bailey also no last name jamie lester jennifer hobbs wesley no last name Alexis J, Michael Williams, and Tanya Cook. Oh, that's awesome. And I have 10 more here. Thank you to the Annabelles. Chloe Meeks, Meredith Leanne, Marissa Graham Coulier, uh, or Collier, uh, Mark Kasser, Sarah Stoker, Joshua Taylor, Taylor Gifford, Mark Hanner, Angie, no last name, and Victoria Gabay. And, you know... Next week, 20 mm -hmm. more Annabelles will get their yeah, shout outs. Yeah, thank you. And then for our other friends, happy birthday to Brooke from your mom, Amy. Happy birthday to Heidi from your mom, Rita. Happy anniversary to Christian from Nikita. Happy anniversary to Derek from Kitty. And big love to Tim from Patrick and Caden. Lots of thanks to Tim for being a great roommate and wedding officiant. Oh, that's so nice. So nice. Uh, and thanks for all the rating, ratings and reviews, creeps and peepers. Um, thanks for continuing to help us find new listeners and, and share this podcast. Uh, thanks for sending in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. For emailing us for, uh, for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan and Kate Keith, the Keith on social media and badmagicmerch.com uh, for the design. Producer Sophie Evans for story curation. Joe Paisley and Zach Flannery for producing, directing, custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Zach Cohen for the custom soundbeds. Please subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. 
at Scared to Death Podcast. We have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, now with over 10,000 horror-loving members. That's so crazy. So cool. Thank 10, you. 10,000? hmm I love it. Thank you to Liz Hernandez for moderating and growing that awesome group. Enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you were scared to death. See ya. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death.